0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles (laughs) podcast with John Stolmes and Brandon Lee Gowler?
0: Hello Bleeding Green Nation and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 43. I'm John Stolness from bleedinggreennation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. We weren't expecting this when we were getting ready for the podcast, but an emergency podcast the Eagles acquired Jordan Howard from the Chicago Bears. And because we are the only Eagles podcast in existence, we are here to break it all down for you. Joining me to do that is the brains behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he forever reign Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, my friend, we have some news to talk about. And the Eagles finally addressed the one position that they hadn't gotten around to do anything about here in the offseason. They got themselves a running back.
1: It's an exciting time, John. The Eagles finally got a running back. There are so many things to dissect with this trade and break down, which we'll do here. But number one has to be the most important thing. I mean, I think we know now that after the Eagles trade for Jordan Howard, that Howard Roseman does indeed listen to BGN Radio because why else would the Eagles make this Mm -hmm. trade on a Thursday night right before our regular recording time (laughs) other than Howard Roseman wanted us to to really break down this trade and he wanted to hear our reaction
0: there's no doubt about it in my mind i mean obviously you know when you when you've got two heavyweights like us my friend you gotta <laughs> we you know we gotta drop the knowledge i'm just anyway i'm just kidding um but no you're right man i mean this is this is great stuff and uh this was obviously a huge area of need for the eagles here this offseason they had to do something at running back and played three years for the Bears. Uh, They got him for just a sixth round pick BLG that could turn into a fifth rounder. Are you surprised at the compensation level? I mean, a sixth round pick is nothing here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised in the sense that I think Jordan Howard, like I don't think he should have had a lot of value. I mean, he's coming off a season where he averaged what 3.7 yards per carry. Um, He's on the last year of his deal. I I don't see why he would have like immense value. And he's a running back. (laughs) Like, Those just aren't very valued in today's NFL. I don't really see how he he would have tremendous value, but in the sense that, you know, the Eagles got him for this cheap, yes. I mean, I, I guess I am a little bit surprised in that sense that this is all it took. I mean, it's not even a six this year, it's a sixth next year, and it's conditional on the condition. I'm sure there's a certain amount of rushing yards or Game appearances. There's some kind of condition, but I mean, look. If the Eagles end up having to give up a fifth for Jordan Howard, that's a good thing. You know, that means you have hit that condition, and that'll be a good thing to have happened. Um, It is surprising in the sense that you know, I guess it did cost. Not this much at all for the Eagles. They were able to fix their running back position. A huge hole in the roster, clearly. Um, you know That's just been a huge topic this week at the owners' meetings. Obviously, fans on sports radio have been calling in. We've been talking about it. It's just been such an obvious, gaping hole in the Eagles' roster. And just last week, on last week's BGN Radio episode, I was kind of talking about how I feel like Howie Roseman usually goes through free agency, and he kind of fills – these holes on the roster with like some kind of piece where you don't have to go into the draft having to reach for a position clearly and with running back it wasn't looking like that before they made this move because they just had nothing really on the roster like they had to do something in the draft and now I think they still will but they don't have to anymore like they don't have to take Josh Jacobs at 25 because they have Jordan Howard and they can get by with that Mm -hmm. and hopefully they still do add a running back yes but like they don't have to they don't it's not something they right. need to force. And I just think that's the upside of the Jordan Howard trade. I wrote down my pros and cons here. Do you want me to get to those, John? Yeah, let's
0: do it. Let's knock them out.
1: Okay. So I think, you know, there's there's things to like, and I think there's some things I don't like. My first reaction, like my guttural reaction before I put any really thought or analysis <laughs> into this was like, eh. Like I wasn't yeah. riddled about it. <laughs> that was before I saw the the price exactly, to be fair. Like I just saw that. I, I saw like text messages and Slack channel. I was like, we got Jordan Howard. And I was like, okay, that's fine.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you
1: know, They needed to do something and I'm glad they did that. Um, but once I saw the cost, I was like, okay, feel a little bit better. So I'll start out with the pros. He's only 24. You know, that's very good. He's young. He is clearly a productive volume player. And I think that's kind of important to note here because you can look at counting stats and people do that a lot, especially in the NBA or the NFL, whatever. And that, there's value in that and being a volume player because clearly not anyone or not just anyone can do that. Like Darren Sproles can't. You couldn't give him the workload yeah. that Jordan. Had. Like It's just he's not going to hold up. He's not going to last even Darren right. Sproles in his prime. like It's just not that kind of player. Now, there's volume. There's value in that. But I also think like you have to be efficient, too. So. Jordan Howard, you know, he's having, he had a ton of yards last year, but he only had 3.7 yards per carry. So, like, that's not as great. Another thing I did like is he has graded out well in pass protection by Pro Football Focus. You know, I'm going to have to go back and look at that closer myself. But just for now, I-, I take that as a positive sign. Obviously, the Eagles didn't give up too much to get him. That's another pro. He's relatively durable, which is kind of surprising, I feel like, d- given his physical running style. But he's only missed one game and his past three seasons here in the nfl so that's i think that's a good thing i think when you look at this move from a comp pick perspective obviously the eagles didn't do anything to cost themselves a comp pick although they gave up a pick next year which you know kind of you, you have to factor that in mm-hmm. but yeah you can get a comp pick for jordan howard now if you don't resign him after this season you know if, if he has a good year and you don't want to pay him big money which i think is very possible then all of a sudden another team signs him and you just got a draft pick that's potentially better than what the bears just gave you so like right there, there you right. go you're getting some you're already getting some kind of return potentially if he leaves so that's a good thing to keep in mind he's cheap john he's only two million in base salary this year so you're not really eating into the cap space too much um, man, and you're big. checking
0: off all of Howie Roseman's boxes here, man. I'll that, tell you what, young, cheap. Young, yeah, cheap. I mean <laughs> he's big.
1: Yeah. He's six two thirty. So I think this is, you know, John, you talked about wanting Legarrett Blunt back last year. You wanted that that yeah. big running back. Yeah. This is him. This is LeGarrette, This yeah. is like the new Legarrett Blunt in this offense. He's big. He's good in short yardage. That's something I think that's honestly one of the big one of the bigger selling points of this trade. The Eagles were terrible. In short yardage last year when it came to um, at least running back production, like Josh Adams was some kind of crazy bad numbers, which was surprising on the surface because you look at Josh Adams and you're like, wow, you know, that guy's big. He should be able to plunge forward and and get you a first down on fourth and short, third and short, but he couldn't. In seven carries on third or fourth down and one or two last year, Josh Adams had negative eight yards and no first down. So he was horrible. And that stat comes from Jimmy Kemski. So you bring in Jordan Howard and all of a sudden you have someone who is more effective in short yardage because as Dave Spadero noted, um, he has 21 of 31 conversions on third and fourth of two or fewer yards in 18. So it's a 74% convert rate. Um, for perspective, Ezekiel Elliott converted 76. So if you want to put that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you just got someone who can help you out in short yardage. You got someone who checks the boxes and all the categories you mentioned. Those are all the positives of the trade in my mind.
0: Yeah, and, and that's pretty good. I mean, and I, there's some other numbers that you could run out there, too. He did score nine touchdowns this year, even though it was a 3.7 yards per carry average. Nine touchdowns uh, the year before that. Howard is only one of two running backs with nine or more rushing touchdowns in each of the last two seasons. Todd Gurley is the only other one uh, and his 18 rushing touchdowns since 2017. Tied for third most in the NFL behind Gurley and Alvin Kamara. Um. Uh, also, that uh, Howard was uh, only one of four NFL running backs with 2,000 or more rushing yards since 2017, along with Gurley, Elliott, and Kareem Hunt. So you, you you're right. Some of these counting numbers, as you're talking about, really you can really talk up Jordan Howard. But as you mentioned, we've kind of seen, and I imagine you're going to talk about this as, as some of the negatives. We're kind of seeing a downward trend from his mm. rookie season, where he he rush he did rush for 1,313 yards in his in his rookie year, 5.2 mm-hmm. yards per attempt average yep, yeah, to uh 1,122 yards and a 4.1 average in 2017 <laughs> and last year 935 with 3.7 and mm. I-, I thought it was an interesting question I-, I this just popped through on my timeline Patrick Finley is the uh Chicago Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times he asked a fair question about Jordan Howard how does he not fit in the Bears offensive scheme but would fit in the scheme of Doug Peterson. I mean, Peterson and Nagy run mostly the same stuff. So, you know, that's kind of a fair question. As we're looking here at Jordan Howard, we see a guy who whose whose year by year totals has kind of been going in in the wrong direction and they couldn't find a place for him in an offensive scheme that is very similar to what the Eagles are going to run.
1: Yeah, I guess one of the key differences I would look at there is the fact that I don't know exactly, you know, how how the Bears run their running game specifically. I don't follow them that closely enough to know that if that's more of Nagy's thing or or what. But with the Eagles specifically, I mean, Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, is also the run game coordinator, and Deuce Daly obviously has a big role with the running backs as well. So, and Deuce Daly, by the way, was working out Jordan Howard leading up to, to the 2016 NFL Draft. So I don't think this is just about a Joe Douglas connection because. Um, Howard was drafted by the Bears when Douglas was in Chicago. I do think that's relevant, but I also think this could be a guy that Deuce really liked. So, this might be a guy that the Eagles have more of a plan for in the sense that, you know, like this was a guy that, you know, again, Douglas wanted to draft and that Deuce Daly was showing interest in. He wasn't a guy that was so much in that current regime. As much, I mean, I guess Pace was there too, but still like, you know, Nagy wasn't there. You know, that's not a guy who was, you know, Court uh, Howard wasn't drafted when Nagy was there. So, you know, that's not necessarily his exact fit or his exact vision of a guy. And look, you know, we I, I've talked about it earlier on this offseason about how Howard kind of got phased out a little bit because they wanted to get Cohen in there and utilize him more. So clearly wasn't exactly what they wanted in Chicago. You can point to some of those things that would concern. I think again, the the declining efficiency concerns me. To go down to three point seven last year, like I don't love that. The Eagles seemingly stopped him pretty easily in the playoffs. You know, it wasn't yeah, like some hard. Ten guy for thirty five, right? Yeah, not yeah. exactly <laughs> like you know the the hardest guy to stop there. He's not much of a receiver. He, he has seventy two career receptions for only 568 yards, which is a seven point nine average and one touchdown. He is somewhat of a fumbling issue, I guess, not like a super bad one. Uh, He has five fumbles in three seasons, but, you know, to keep in mind, he has 850 total touches, so there's been a lot of touches there. And I guess another thing is just you still need to draft a running back. Like, this doesn't solve everything. it, It addresses the position and it improves it, but, like, I still feel like you still have to add a running back in the draft because... You just, oh, first of all, because Howard's only on a one-year deal, and there's a very decent chance that he's not going to be here beyond this year. So you still need to think Mm -hmm. about the future of that position somewhat. And I just think, like, what you have behind him still isn't, like, super inspiring and amazing, and you still want to add someone ideally with some Better third down back skills. I know people want Corey Clement to be that guy, and I would love for Corey Clement to be that guy, but I still think you yeah. need to kind of, you know, hedge your bet on that and, and invest a little bit more in that position and try to upgrade it somewhat more because I just think, you know, receiving is so important in today's game. And the fact that Howard doesn't really bring that as much, he's not really so much a pass game contributor. Like that's that's the part I guess that kind of doesn't make me as crazy yeah. about this deal. Like if he was, I'd be over the moon. But that's kind of what right, holds me right. back. That kind of puts me, at, I guess, like an a A minus or kind of or B plus for this trade instead of like an A or an A plus.
0: Well, that's one of the things too that makes me think that. Josh Jacobs could still be a target at 25 because that is one of the things that he did well in college was, was catch the ball out of the backfield. And it also is a reason that the the, the Eagles might not be done uh, adding to the backfield because unless you're going to bring uh, Darren Sproles back, I don't know that you can count on Corey Clement to be your, your main pass catching back out of the backfield. They're really, they really don't have anybody on the roster that you can depend on to do that. Wendell Smallwood's not that guy. Um, Josh Allen's not that guy. I mean, uh, um, yeah, Josh Adams isn't that guy. Uh, You know, I think you've you've got to maybe make you know still make a trade. You could still make a trade for somebody like Duke Johnson or something like that. But you know, eventually, you know, some of these draft pick trades, even though they're lower draft picks, you know, you don't want to trade all those away. So you know, I wonder if trading for Jordan Howard means that they probably wouldn't trade for Duke Johnson. I realize, like you said, this is a, a draft pick for next year, not coming out of this year's draft. So I guess they could they could you know pillage something from this year's draft if they wanted to as well but i still think for me josh jacobs is a target at 25 i i, I love the idea of bringing in i know brandon i, I mean not brand i know uh <laughs> jordan howard uh, is a is a younger player but like you said he's on the last year of his deal this next year i, I i'm still looking at josh jacobs at number 25 blg
1: interesting and apparently the eagles are too we're hearing rumors that they like him i talked i think last week about how jeff mosher said that that's a guy they really like um and i think mosher even said tonight that he kind of doubled down on that like he he wouldn't rule them out still drafting a running back and that'd be nice to see again because you still need that like you need this isn't going to be jordan howard running back one getting 25 carries a game that's just not what this is going to be it's not like at least if you look at the history of doug peterson's system here they're going to rotate these running backs and I just feel like that Jordan Howard's kind of going to be and not just in similar and mold of a player but also kind of the workload that LeGarrette Blunt got like LeGarrette Blunt was your number one quote-unquote running back in 2017 oftentimes he would get the bulk of carries in a game but he's not getting like 20 touches or 20 plus carries every game he might be at like yeah. you know 15 and then he, he makes in the other guys there So, yeah, I still think there's a need. Again, I am still going to be very surprised if the Eagles take a first round running back, just considering they haven't done it in forever. And they're such an analytically driven team that I just feel like it is hard to believe until I see it. But just the fact that, that Josh Jacobs... Our player like him brings that passing game value. I definitely think that's something the Eagles want to add because you don't you don't just look at him. I mean, you look at him. You also look at Le'Veon Bell, who they clearly again they didn't acquire, but they were rumored to be interested in him and Duke Johnson. And you know maybe they will take a look at Spencer Ware still. Who knows? But, you know, those kind of guys are those pass-catching backs who can help you in the passing game. And I just feel like they kind of want that guy for Carson to have as, just as, like a nice check-down guy, you know, who can, you can just check down to and, and rely on um, being able to contribute in that area, whereas the Eagles just really have not had that. Uh, that's a kind of stability, a kind of pass-catching back reliably, who is a proven player, you know, other than Corey Clement doing so a little bit in 2017 mm-hmm. And then having Darren Sproles when you did, but um, I just still think you know that's that's something they still need to kind of address here, and that's again why the Howard trade doesn't like just make me feel like oh everything's fixed. But um, you do have to be excited, right? Like (laughs) you look at
0: oh yeah, yeah, it's it's an
1: upgrade, BLG. I mean, it
0: it assures us we're not going into the season with Wendell Smallwood or Josh Adams as the number one running back, which is what we were look we were staring down the bat the barrel of that. You know, terrible. (laughs) That'd be horrible. Yeah, you could. It would have been horrible. It would have been horrible. And and they had to bring in some talent. Maybe Jordan Howard can get back to being... He's not. He's not going to get enough carries to rush for thirteen hundred yards again. That's yeah. just not what this offense is going to do. So, but what you'd like to see is that yards per attempt number go up. And as I think about Josh Jacobs and and taking a running back in the first round of the draft, you're right. It's not something they've they've done in a long, long time. Like we mentioned last week on the podcast, last time they did it was Keith Byers in nineteen eighty six. So one of their second round picks is probably a more likely scenario. But I think also it's it's fair to mention that they that Howie Roseman probably would have drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round if he could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I and to me, the skill set is similar uh, yeah. with, with McCaffrey is mostly a a pass catching uh, running back out of the backfield. So, you know, maybe there are certain exceptions that you make for certain. I mean, if this is a passing league, if you're getting a running back that you think can really create mismatches in the passing game for you now that you've gotten your runner taken care of. I mean, I guess the question here with us, BLG, is we've talked about wanting to have a runner that you can count on, that you can feel good about as as somebody who can take some pressure off of Carson Wentz. Do you see Jordan Howard meeting that definition?
1: Not the end-all, be-all. Like not the just the definitive answer, no worries about it. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, Some level of confidence in it. I mean, here, I'll frame it this way. Look at the Eagles' offense right now. Taking up the offensive line, just looking at the skill players. Play some fantasy football here with me for a second. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quarterback Carson Wentz, running back Jordan Howard, wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Eggler, and then tight end Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. That's a pretty good group. Yeah. Pretty good That's group pretty of good skill group. players right there. And obviously, you know, you're yeah. gonna. You're not going to have all those three receivers out in the field and the two tight ends at the same time. You're going to mix that up between 11 personnel and 12 personnel. But still, I mean, you have options there. And, you know, right. that's not right. even accounting for some of the young guys taking a step forward as nice role players like Mac Collins or Shelton Gibson or Braxton Miller or whatever, uh, whatever have you there. And even some of the other running backs, you know, maybe Corey Clement does come back and have a great third year after showing promise as a rookie. Like that's just – you know, sticking with some of the starters and the the main players there right now. Um, So to answer your question, John, uh, I don't feel like amazing over the moon, but I feel like fine. Yeah, I feel like, okay. Like this is fine. Like, I'm I'm not going to be harping on this as opposed to if the Eagles did nothing, like I would be harping on it nonstop.
0: No, I got you. And that's that's totally fair. And I'm excited about it, too. I mean, when we were talking about Jordan Howard, that was not. When we were comparing him to the list of other running backs that were available, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, all those different guys, obviously, I think you and I both would have preferred one of those two players just because of the talent they bring. And, and the you know, speed, that would, like, course, that's another thing. And the like, speed, yeah. Jordan yeah.
1: Howard's not like a speed guy, and they still don't, don't have like that speed running back. I think that's something they're still missing.
0: No, no doubt about it. But it's a good deal for a sixth-round pick, and which could turn into a fifth-round pick. You're not going to draft a player as good as Jordan Howard with that pick, so you yep. might as well, what? Uh, might as well make that swap. And uh, Howie Roseman, even just a, a couple of days after saying that they felt good about the running backs that they have, you can <laughs> never trust anything that comes out of anybody's mouth in the front office of any sport you just can't you can't trust anybody um but uh, howie roseman did what everybody been asking him to do and he got a running back and we'll see if uh, if they're done I still think they might not be done up next we're going to get into some of the latest draft rumors and um talk about some some comments made by roseman and Lurie and doug peterson this week when they were down at the nfl owners meetings that's all up next right here on bgn radio And we're back on BGN Radio. So, BLG, let's get into some of these draft rumors as we are getting closer and closer to the uh, 2019 NFL draft. And we found out the Eagles are going to welcome Ed Oliver in for a visit. Um, Obviously, it's a big name. Not many people think that he can fall to number 25 where the Eagles are picking, which... Raises the question, what do you think the chances are that the Eagles are thinking about moving up in the first round? They could do it because they have two second round picks this year. Do you think they try to move up from number 25?
1: I wouldn't rule it out. You know, Harry Rosman's done it in the past. I think when you look at the Eagles' history of trading up. You know, there's been some good acquisitions there when they've gotten aggressive. I mean, look no further than last year. and it wasn't in the first round, but still. And ultimately, they traded down too, but they traded back up to get Dallas Cotter, You know, they traded up to get Brandon Graham. Like, they've made some good additions when they've been aggressive and they've traded up. I kind of feel like just, and we'll touch on this, I guess, a little later about what Jeffrey Lurie was saying about, you know, the Eagles want to, they believe in volume in terms of drafting, which I think is a smart strategy. Because I think when you look at the kind of the, the broad picture of, the NFL draft, there's not a lot I think that separates teams in terms of good drafting and whatnot. Like I think there's a, a big element of luck, like that's proven to be there. Um, that's not to say some teams are are not better than drafting than others. I think that's you know there's some variance there, but I'm just saying like the thing we don't like to admit in sports in general is that there's luck involved and you know the the way to kind of counter that luck is to have a lot of draft picks and make a lot of picks and hope you kind of get lucky on some of them so that's kind of in general the best strategy and that's why you see teams trade down smart teams and obviously the patriots do that a lot but at the same time i feel like if there is value there and if you feel like really so just really really strongly about a player and look looking at a lot of the eagles mock draft scenarios like i do there's just a lot of them where you get to 25 and you just don't feel really any good like about what's yeah. left there's there. nothing
0: inspiring there's nothing inspiring in that spot is there? there
1: there isn't and then that's when you end up like with these mock drafts that have the eagles taking a cornerback it's like why? <laughs> what are we doing here? This isn't this isn't realistic. It's not going to happen. But at the same time, I look at them and I'm like, okay, maybe I, I almost can't blame them because what else what else are they supposed to take here? There's not like a lot of great options. So if Oliver falls, and I think there's some merit to that, as Ben Solak has discussed on the Kiss and Solak show, because Oliver's a smaller guy. There's a precedent for players like that falling. You look at Aaron Donald fall a little, or fell a little further than expected. You look at Geno Atkins, you know, fell in the draft. There's a historical precedent of those guys, you know, not being super highly valued by the NFL. I mean, think about it. Like Ed Oliver he used to be talked about as like number one overall pick, and he is clearly not in that same discussion now. He's more of like a guy that could fall into the teens. And there are some mock draft scenarios out there that have him falling to the Eagles. In the, in the at 25, which is crazy. I don't think he does fall there. I mean, you look at his athletic testing numbers, and Houston had their pro day today. Like, he uh, he ran like an historically good 40 yard time an historically good like three cone time. Like, Ed Oliver is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's like a ridiculous yeah. Yeah. athlete. <laughs> um, there's some kind of concerns about his college production because I guess he only had like 13 and a half sacks in three years. But you look at his like tackles for loss numbers, and he had like 53. he's still a very, it's it's clear he's a very disruptive player, even if the sack numbers aren't always there. Um, So, and just thinking about the trio of Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, and Oliver, I mean, oh my gosh, like that's just so much (laughs) interior disruption. Like I I like that. So, you know, if the opportunity is there and the cost is within reason, I think the Eagles should be aggressive. I don't think you're trading up to like 13 from him or for him, you know, from 25 to 13. I just... Something like that seems too much, but like if you're trading up to maybe like 19, okay, maybe that's within striking range or, or 20. I, I think it's interesting, and I think it's something they're going to entertain. I mean, clearly they're bringing him in; he's on their radar.
0: No doubt about it, and that would certainly be. You're right. As I've looked over the mock drafts, it just none of the names pop out at you, and it seems as though yeah, you're taking best available. But I guess if you're in that kind of a situation where you're at number 25, there could be a temptation to. Drop back maybe too, you know. I mean, if you're if you're not really bowled over by any of your choices, and who knows what the how what the Eagles think about the players who will fall to them, I guess you could also make an argument then that uh, they would they could drop back a little bit, and maybe maybe pick up another second round, another you know third day pick or something like that by by moving back in the first round or moving into the second and getting yourself three second round picks although i don't know they didn't have a first round pick last year at blg yeah. my guess is they probably want to stay in the first round
1: right yeah I, I think they do and i think um as much as they talked about wanting volume i think there has to be some kind of fit for them hopefully there in the first round and just selfishly just because it's kind of boring when they trade out a night yeah, one. yeah we and need a first round pick yeah. especially <laughs> when you pick late in there and it, it just yeah. i mean it happened last year at least you know, the good news is we were kind of ready for that. And at the same time, they got a good pick in this year's draft. So you kind of could hang your hat on that. But, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of boring. Like you, you wait there the whole night, and it's like, oh, they traded out. I remember that happened with – um, that's that's part of what made me so furious about Kevin Cobb way back in the day. It's like I was waiting uh, all a, yeah. all this time for the Eagles to finally make their first-round pick, and then they trade back, and it's with the Cowboys, and like, great. And then I, I, I wait all this time for the Eagles to draft Kevin freaking Cobb not not a fan of the trade back just from a fan perspective leaving strategy out of it uh for a second but yeah i I just feel like hopefully you know that opportunity to be aggressive just might be there i think if they trade up i think it is going to be for like ed oliver or christian wilkins i think those are the kind of guys that would be that kind of trade up and maybe it only takes a couple uh a couple spots like maybe you move from 25 to 21 and that's you know where you get your guy Mm. and by the way on this topic um. Did you see that Brian Baldinger tweeted what he tweeted out this week, John? Yes. That was kind of interesting yes, to me. Yes, He was like, basically what Baldy said here is that the Colts and the Eagles are seemingly possibly targeting the same player. And I think when you look at who that player could be, I think it might be an Ed Oliver or maybe more realistically a Christian Wilkins. Because um, the Colts also have a need there on the interior defensive line. I think that's a little interesting. And the bad news for the Eagles is the Colts have more draft ammo than they do. So if they want to jump up, they could be the ones who, who get it. And I think the fact that Baldy put man, that out Frank there, Frank
0: Reich and Doug Peterson. De- Fra- Frank it. Reich and Doug Peterson. Oh man, oh man. When friends become enemies, buddy, you, you hate to see it.
1: You hate to see it. I think that Baldy put that out there. Like that kind of makes me think that the trade up thing is kind of on the Eagles' radar a little bit.
0: All right, fair enough. And let's just quickly. I'm going to write about this for Bleeding Green Nation here. Hopefully, I'll uh, have something up on Friday. Uh, about it, but uh, just kind of taking a look at the last three drafts that Howie Roseman has had, because really, BLG, if you look any any further earlier than the 2016 draft, he was heavily influenced by Chip Kelly. Then before that, Andy Reid um, was obviously handling a lot of those drafts in conjunction with with Roseman. But this has been Roseman and Joe Douglas here these last three years, and so let's just kind of take a look back uh, at some of these at some of these drafts real quick, and and you can give a grade or just give your your general thoughts. 2016 first-round pick Carson Wentz. I mean, we all love that pick. That's obviously something that's fantastic. They did not have a second-round pick that year. Isaac Sayamalu uh, was their pick in the third round. Wendell Smallwood and Halapulavati Vaitai were their fifth-round picks. Uh, In the sixth round, they took Blake Countess, a cornerback. And in the seventh round in 2016, they got Jalen Mills, along with Alex McAllister and Joe Walker, As I'm looking back on 2016, that seems like a pretty damn good draft, BLG.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Carson Wentz is the make-or-break factor there. But um, outside of that, because you kind of almost have to also evaluate it outside of that, um, Samalo is, I think, at least a capable starter in the third round. Like, I think he meets Mm -hmm. your expectations of a third round pick. Yeah. It's not a steal it's not um underperformance it's just exactly probably what you on average like he's like the average third round pick i guess yeah he's been a,
0: and he's been productive yeah, he, yeah absolutely he,
1: he, and he going forward you know he's signed to a decent contract so um potential to be a solid good starter for the Eagles at guard and maybe eventually center he's versatile as well um and then what you got out of the rest of that draft i mean big v is a pretty good for a fifth round pick um obviously a super bowl starting left tackle you'll take yeah. that um, not a good enough player to become a long-term starter, in my opinion. But at, I think he at least has a role as a solid swing tackle. And then Jalen Mills is a very up and down player, but he is a player that has he, he belongs in the NFL. And for a seventh-round pick, yeah. like that's that's pretty solid.
0: The 2017 draft. This is still very much up in the air, and, and injuries have really been a big part of why this draft has fallen flat. Derek Barnett, uh, taken in the first round again, uh, just, you think there's a lot of talent there, but we just haven't been able to see him enough on the field, especially, uh, losing him early last year. Sidney Jones in the second round. Um, again, that was seen as a guy who had first round talent, but was dealing with, uh, was an Achilles injury, right. Uh, that he suffered during a, a pro day workout. And, Still has not been able to stay on the field. Uh, Razul Douglas in the third round, Mac Hollins and Donnell Pumphrey in the fourth round, Shelton Gibson, Nathan Gary in the fifth round, and Elijah Qualls in the sixth round. This was not this was not his finest draft here, BLG.
1: There's some issues there. I think Derek Barnett's going to be pretty good. I know Ben doesn't like him. I <laughs> Cindy Jones. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was concerned about that pick at the time. Not just i like Sidney jones before he got hurt but just the injury made me really skeptical i just wasn't sure you know if he was ever going to be the same player and the maybe if he stays healthy he can still recover he's only 22 like he still has a lot of career ahead of him but it's just you know, so yeah. far he's been too hurt and it's just you know you, you don't know what to expect um rizul i i feel like rizul can be at least a good backup cornerback on the outside and, and maybe a starter Donald Pumphrey is just a disastrous pick, obviously, as we've talked about, it really I mean, traded up for him. Um, just, and, and he's not even an NFL player. Like that's the, that's what bothers me about that pick so much. It's not like you got like bad draft picks are going to happen. You're going to get a guy and you're going to play him and he's going to be like average or he's going to stink. Like Wendell no small, you know, like that's not a great draft mm-hmm. pick, but like, at least he kind of belongs in the league a little bit. Donald yeah. Pumphrey can't even play like at all. Like that's just a disaster. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you got Matt Collins. We don't know exactly what he is yet. Um, Qualls obviously didn't turn out to be anything. Gary looks like just probably a backup or a special teamer. Yeah, it's not. It's not an awesome looking class there. Um, Derek Barnett kind of has it, like the burden's on him, I guess, really to <laughs> it's to step up yeah, and to save that draft. <laughs> yeah, and save that. And yeah, it's on him.
0: All right, and then uh, last year they only had five picks. Last year Dallas Goddard in the second round. Avante Maddox in the fourth round, two really good players last year that were a big part of that team. Uh, Josh Sweat was also taken in the fourth round. I think we heard Howie Roseman talk about him a little bit, and uh, like uh, the talent that he has. Matt Pryor in the sixth round, and Jordan Mailata in the seventh round. Um, obviously, it's, it's not fair to judge a draft um, just one year just one year out, but the early returns on Goddard and Maddox, at least, are have been very good. Very, very good. And I think it's they're they're off to a good start anyway.
1: Yeah, and I mean the, the, the three guys and Josh Sweat and Matt Pryor and Jordan Mylotta, who we don't really know what they are yet. I mean, there's some upside there, there's potential. Both Sweat and Mylotta are only twenty one years old. Um Sweat being a developmental defensive end. Hopefully you can see something out of him this year or moving forward. And then Mylotta, obviously just being a total wild card. We have no idea what he's gonna be. Um, that could be a home run. Like that could be not just a home run. That could be a Reese Hoskins grand slam as he did today, which is very awesome. And I love yep. that a lot. Yep. Uh, quick tangent. Yep. Don't disrespect my man Reese. You cannot just intentionally walk the guy ahead of him <laughs> and expect him to not cross that ball out of the park. Come on, what are you doing? Seriously. Braves. Very disrespectful. Seriously. Um yeah. So yeah,
0: very, very disrespectful. Jordan Milata, and stupid too, by the way. Very stupid.
1: Jordan Mailata could be that Reese Hoskins Grand Slam though. Like he could be that mm. big of a move. Or he could be, you know, nothing. Like he could be out of the league as soon as this year, potentially. Like if he if he's just a disaster in training camp this year, like do the Eagles keep him? I mean, maybe, maybe they hold on and still feel like there's enough there, but I'm just saying like, it's not a total lock. Like he needs to show, he needs to show them some kind of progress or upside or or potential. Like you you just don't hold on to him forever if he's showing nothing. So um, again, just to be clear, I don't think that's the likely outcome. I'm just saying, I don't know. I think it's possible. I think it's in the realm of possibility. So, uh, so we don't know, but I think the kind of takeaway from all these drafts as a whole, I guess it kind of goes back to what Lurie was saying in that, Um, like they're not foolish enough to, or I think the exact line he used was something about like not being cocky enough to think that they're going to be able to outdraft everyone. Like they're just going to be the masters of knowing who to draft and they're going to draft better than the entire league. Like they don't, they don't think they're that smart enough. They don't think that um, the way drafting works and the way luck can have a factor that they can just rely on that to be better than everyone. But what they can rely on is getting a bunch of draft picks and the Eagles have um, about twenty-ish or so draft picks. You know, one fewer now mm-hmm. uh, with the Jordan Howard trade to restock some of their their core here in the next couple of years. So going forward and looking at this bodywork of what we have from Harry Roseman and Joe Douglas in these past couple of years, I think you see enough where you can feel you know optimistic and have and have some hope some upside i think you can also see some pitfalls you can also look at like you know you can look at the Donnell pumphrey pick and the process behind that and not feel awesome about that so and then the sydney jones thing you can feel like okay they took a a risk on injury but maybe that wasn't the best strategy which there was concerns about taking an injured player that we had written up at bleeding Nation before they drafted sydney jones so there's you know there's some risk reward there's some good strategy we've seen there's some bad strategy I think overall, um, you know, you, you feel like there's some level of confidence about, wh- what you know, what they can do with these draft picks moving forward. But I also think, you know, there's some reason for reservation as well.
0: Up next, we're going to talk about Carson Wentz and whether or not the team is getting ready to pay the man, pay that man his money. Uh, We'll see if uh, that's going to be something the team does maybe here this offseason before the season starts next year. We'll also give you some other notes from some of the news conferences that were held by Jeff Lurie and Doug Peterson uh, and uh, Howie Roseman uh, this week at the NFL owners meetings. That's up next right here on BGN Radio. And we're back on BGN Radio. So, um... one of the big things this uh, offseason, BLG, that uh, hasn't really come to fruition yet but could still come to fruition is paying the quarterback. And I know that there are still some people out there who don't think that Carson Wentz has anything to prove in 2019. I disagree. Doug <laughs> I Peterson. Doug uh, Peterson. Doug Peterson is one of those guys, and I disagree with the coach. I think that there is a little something for Carson Wentz to prove this year, but it's mostly just his being able to stay healthy. I I, th- I, I still think the talent is incredible. Even last year when he was clearly playing hurt, that he had a pretty good season, all things considered, without a running game and without a, a deep threat and without a defense that was really able to support him for much of the season. And we've talked about all of that uh, BLG you and I have, and I know you and I are both um, still on on the Wentz wagon. I'm still fully on the Wentz wagon. Um, And at the news conference that Howie Roseman had with the uh, media this week at the owner's meetings, he mentioned a couple times how they, they want to have money set aside to pay Carson Wentz. Do you get the impression that the team is interested in signing him sooner rather than later?
1: I mean, I haven't heard anything. So this is just, you know, conjecture and speculation on my part. Speculation. Yeah. But um, I think the team does, especially when you look at their messaging this week, And now, you know, it always, you kind of said it earlier in the show, John, like it doesn't always necessarily matter what they say, look at what they do. And you, we already saw what they did and that is hang on to Carson Wentz and um, let Nick Foles go. So, you know, they clearly, they are committed to him as their long-term quarterback, like that decision has already been made. So with that in mind, I really don't see the need to wait for like, you're already committed to him. So you should want to sign him to a contract extension as soon as possible. Because if you're waiting, the price is only going to go up. Like, so why are you waiting? Just to see another year if he gets hurt? Like, so what? If he gets hurt, he's not your franchise quarterback anymore? I mean, what are you going to do? Like, what, you know, what what's your replacement plan here? I don't think they really have one with their timeline. That's, like, I don't think they give up on Carson Wentz just because if he gets hurt again this year. I just don't. I don't think that's the case. I think the Eagles want to extend him. I think... The reluctance for an extension comes from carson wentz because you know he's not dumb. he can he can think of everything i just said and he could say and he's you know he can get these offers from the eagles that are, and they're probably trying to get him to accept and he's probably like no i don't want to take this deal because i feel like i can maximize my value by having a better season in 2019 and i think that's where they're at i think the eagles you know probably want to get him signed i'm sure they've approached him i'm sure They've, you know, brought him numbers that Carson feels like he can do better. And at that point, there's risk and reward on Carson's end. If he takes the deal, it could be a good move for him in the sense that, you know, he has been hurt and it's instant security. And he doesn't have to worry about, you know, having a 2019 season where he's playing for a contract and he gets hurt again. And, you know, just things kind of don't turn out the way he wants. So there's, there's some incentive for him to do it now. You know, it's just like that guaranteed safe option. But, you know, there's also incentive to wait in that you could have a really good 2019 season. You know, he knows just as well as we do that when he had a full off season to prepare for the 2017 season, he was amazing. And maybe he thinks he can do that again. And I think he can do that again. I think especially we're talking about this offensive skill group, all those players they have. I mean, I'm sure he feels like he can have another big year this year. So I think the Eagles are fully committed to him. You saw Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie. All emphatically, verbally express that, uh, and I think that you know that's the direction they want to go. The one thing I do want to say about Carson John and something that you just said in the sense of he doesn't need to prove himself. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of people reacting to that. It's obviously been kind of like a sports radio topic. How could Doug yeah. pearson possibly say that? But I think the thing about that is that's not necessarily true. Like he didn't necessarily fully say that. I mean, he he quite literally said that in an answer but I'm saying something else he said when he was talking about Carson Wentz and his need to be more accessible and you know more um, like genuine I guess I don't think that wasn't the word is more accessible uh, as a teammate I think that's right there is what he's saying he needs to improve at like that's clearly kind of somewhat of a criticism there a constructive criticism I would say because Doug said he feels like Carson has that in him it's not like something he's saying like oh I really need to see it I haven't seen it but I think that's something that we've been talking about and not only been talking about, but talking about how we've been talking about this whole off season, John, where Carson Wentz needs to mature. And Doug, I think Doug had a really, really good answer about that. And obviously you can read that answer in full on bleeding green nation.com or listen to it in the, at the podium episode that Michael Kiss put up on the bleeding green nation podcast feed here. But basically, you know, in short, he just said that like he needs to, um, I just think mature as a, as a player and a person off the field. And I think that's, exactly what needs to happen. I think Carson needs to find a way to kind of take what he's gone through in terms of the adversity, kind of just like Nick Foles did. And I think something that when we've been talking about this conversation before, John, and I kind of left out was that Nick Foles, when he left Philadelphia the first time when he was traded, I should say in 2015, I remember Jeff McLean putting out a story about how the Eagles felt that one of the issues with Nick Foles was that he didn't have confidence. Like, he could get down on himself. And that was something they were worried about. And doesn't that sound crazy yeah. now? Like, doesn't that sound yeah, like nuts does. that the guy who won the Super Bowl and is extremely confident and poised had issues with that? Oh, so you're telling me that someone can get better at that kind of thing over the course of their career as they mature? <laughs> yeah. So let's, Someone
0: can grow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's
1: maybe not condemn Carson Wentz and like talk about him like he can never improve on something like that. And maybe he won't. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm not saying everyone does, but I'm saying like, We have evidence that people can grow like that, and I think that's what we do need to see from Carson Wentz this year.
0: And not for nothing, but the Eagles sit with just under $23.5 million in cap space right now. That's 12th most in the NFL. And they're probably done adding big-ticket items. Now, they're going to have to pay some of the draft picks, and they're going to probably have to make a couple other payments here along the way if they trade for somebody like a Duke Johnson or a Sina Spencer Ware, which I don't don't know that I see those two things happening anymore that could impact the salary cap space. But they do have some of the space, BLG, and you wonder if that's kind of what they're setting it aside for. So uh, we'll just wait and see. But I do think that cap number is interesting. Now, they have... After, after coming into the offseason trying to move around money to, to get themselves cap space, they have it, and there's just not a lot to spend it on at this point now that most of the big free agents and the big trade targets are kind of out of the way. Um, some other notes from the presser. You mentioned uh, Doug talking about Carson Wentz. Uh, he also talked about wanting to be more aggressive in 2019. We remember how aggressive he was in 2017, and you and I talked about it on the podcast last, uh, last year, that... It doesn't. It didn't seem as though Peterson early in the season, especially, was was doing some of the things that we would have expected him to do based on what we saw in the postseason and the Super Bowl and and even during the regular season when they they went for it on fourth and short more than any other team in the NFL.
1: And getting Jordan Howard will help with that a little bit, <laughs> you know. That, that yes, improved. indeed. Yeah, uh, maybe that was part of it. <laughs> hopefully, yes. Uh, but yeah, I like that. I just think that's a good. That's encouraging to see that kind of reflection from Doug in uh, the honesty and, you know, being critical of himself and saying, yeah, I need to get better. Like that's not something I, I imagine we would see out of Chip Kelly, just for example. So no. <laughs> um, I was, I really like that. I hope he follows through with that again. He can say that. And then if he doesn't do it, okay, then doesn't matter. It's meaningless. I need to see the action. I need to see him follow through on that. Um, quote-unquote promise, I guess, to be more aggressive. So hopefully we do see that this year. I I mean, I would like to see him getting back to that. Another thing in that same vein of something he's talked about, but also I need to see him follow through on it, is this idea of getting more 12 personnel involved in the offense this year. And I kind of have been thinking about that a little bit, and I feel like it's one of those things that kind of gets talked about in the offseason. It might not actually happen, unfortunately, because those things kind of happen every year. But I guess one kind of thing that would support the idea that it could get used more is that, you know, the Eagles didn't have a full offseason to prepare for the fact that they were going to get Dallas Goddard. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't know they had Dallas Goddard right, for sure. Right, right. Um, so, now that they do, and they know that they do need to run more 12 personnel, and they actually have the, the – players to do so, I would hope that they can really get together this offseason, the entire coaching staff, Doug Peterson, and really design more of an offense that features those two guys, those two tight ends. Um, there's still going to be a lot of 11 personnel, make mo- no mistake. I mean, you're paying Nelson Aguilar $9.4 million to be your slot receiver, and you-, you acquired Deshaun Jackson, and you're already paying also on Jeffrey like a number one wide receiver those guys aren't going away like you're not going to suddenly be running right. a 12 personnel base offense like 70 percent of the snap it's just not happening but you know we do need to see more 12 and I so I kind of just I guess the theme there you know from those two things is that I'm glad Doug has kind of pointed out some of those shortcomings and I really do hope we see some follow-through on that this season
0: couple of things that Jeff Lurie said, too, as we wrap up the podcast here. He talked about um, his love of Doug's resiliency, and, and we saw that on full display in 2017 and, and 2018. And a lot of the credit for that resiliency for this, this football team picking themselves up off the mat when any number of other teams would have given up on the season. Uh, that happened when Carson Wentz went out in 2017 and when Carson Wentz went out again in 2018. But specifically when they lost that overtime game to the Cowboys and it looked like the season was over. Uh, Nick Foles came in and, and helped resurrect the, the team's... Playoff chances and they actually went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. And, you know, a lot of that is on Doug too, keeping, you know, keeping the team interested, keeping the team playing hard. That is also one of the things we talked about last year after that Cowboys game. I know we specifically talked about at least wanting to see the team play hard and play out the string by maybe getting a couple of wins here and there. We didn't expect them to go to the postseason, but this seems to be a hallmark of Doug Peterson, that when the chips are down, they believe in him enough to play hard and, and to continue playing for him. In the last couple of seasons, it's resulted in a world championship and a playoff berth with another playoff victory.
1: Even going back to 2016, too, his first year, really, when you know things were looking yeah. terrible after that Cincinnati loss where they got blown out, and I felt like... Personally, I felt like Doug Pearson might need to be fired if the team quit on him for the rest of the season. Like, if they showed no signs of fight for those final games there they had, I was like, you know, they might have to fire this guy. Because if the players aren't going to play for him, that's a big concern to me. And they yeah. did the exact opposite. They, they went out and they lost to Washington, I think, but they, it was a close game. It came down to the wire. And then they, you know, they won. Um, they, there's another close game against the Ravens there where they, you know, they had a chance to, they went for two, obviously, as we all remember. And they didn't get it. They could have won that. And then they beat the Giants who were, you know, they, I think they went like 11-5 that year. They had a good season. And then they beat the Cowboys who were resting their starters in week 17. But still, you know, they, they finished the season on a high note. And I just feel like that's kind of been a theme under Doug Peterson. You look at it in that year. You look at it, obviously, the Super Bowl. You look at it last year. I mean, last year. Again, and the Super Bowl win obviously helped with it, but it was like the one of the most um, or one of the least devastating ends to a season ever for the Eagles. Because it just felt yeah. like there's hope yeah. for the future, not just because of Carson Wentz and stuff, because of Doug. like Because with Doug, you feel like even if things go wrong during the season, and guess what? They are for most of the times, at at some point, one or another, uh, you know, to different extents, even the Patriots, like the Patriots have moments where things go wrong for them in a given season. They might have a really bad loss at some point, or, you know, like the Miami miracle, you know, there might be some bad things that go on and, you know, for the Patriots, you know, it's never really a concern for them. They're always able to dig themselves out of that hole. And for the Eagles, it's not quite the same, but I just feel like that kind of resilience that Jeffrey Lurie is talking about, I think that really exists, and I think that's been a big theme for this team. And you have to give credit to the players, too, like the leadership in the locker room. It's not just all Doug, but I think ultimately, you know, it reflects very well on Doug Peterson, and it's just a reason to feel confident about him. I think when you talk about head coaches, uh, it can kind of be vague and nebulous, some of the stuff we assign credit and blame for at times, because it's just – it's not a one-man show. And even as we're crediting with him with this, it's not just all him – But I think one of the things you can definitely point to, and that's like a calling card for him, and it's something Lurie specifically talked about when um, things were going bad for the Chiefs. I I guess it was a couple years ago. They had like a big losing streak, and Andy Reid said to Jeffrey Lurie that you know Doug was one of the most stable guys that whole time. Like he he never he never wavered. Like you know things were going bad, but he came to work. You know, and he had the same attitude. He stayed. Uh, steady he didn't get too down and that's why they ultimately felt like they're uh, it was part of why they were ult- ultimately able to come back is because they didn't get too down they still believed in themselves and we just saw that again in this most recent eagle season where the eagles go to new orleans they get their butts kicked 48 to 7 or whatever it was at this point and they they fight they come back hard and they fight and that's what, exactly what you want to see at this team. So I think that's something that is very encouraging about Doug Peterson going forward, and a big reason why you can't count him out. Because when his back is against this wall, or when his back is against the wall, when the team's back is against the wall, they're going to find a way to respond.
0: It's just great to see a locker room with a lot of leaders, like you mentioned. It wasn't just Doug. There was a there's a lot of good leadership in that locker room. But you know, I think Doug brings that out in people, and and people believe he's genuine you know there's a lot of coaches yes. like we saw with chip kelly in this city um that you're not sure if this guy's really got your back or not and I, th- I think doug peterson is genuine he seems like a a, a regular guy i mean he's not the guy who should have gotten this job to begin with you know what i mean and i think he still carries that around with him a little bit he was the the one of the last choices for this team you know they wanted adam gaze first you know it's it, it's and i think maybe there's a there's still a little bit of that in Doug Peterson that he he feels lucky to have the job and he's a world champ now which I mean you'd think that would go to his head but it doesn't seem to and that's that's what's really incredible about him and I agree with you that's why that's why it's it's you feel good about this team moving forward when when you the head coach is just it's so important in the NFL in football to have a to have a head coach the team can get behind and 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 follow and and not for nothing else but Doug Peterson also is a fantastic play caller and and play designer and, you know, can can flat out out coach other legendary coaches on any given Sunday too. And and he knows how to get the best out of players. And so that's a pretty damn good combination to have. And it's pretty clear Jeffrey Lurie loves him some Doug Peterson. Um, We also got a little bit more of an explanation from Lurie about his proposal that would force the Cowboys and the Lions to play some Thursday night road games uh, BLG explained uh, that basically the reason that he pulled it was that it didn't have support, but he seems he seems happy that people are at least talking about it because like we talked about last week on the podcast, I had no idea the Cowboys weren't playing Thursday night road games, and now now people are aware about it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a competitive disadvantage for the Eagles. And he even said that point blank. Like, like I think Howard Eskin, Howard Eskin was like, um, do you think you know this is a disadvantage or like the fact that you know the, all the other teams and nfcs don't get this and point blankly jeffrey Larry was like yes i do and it is i talked about it last week where the cowboys have played zero road games on for on thursday nights on like uh, a short week so several days rest Never, ever. And look, it's going to remain this way in the future at this rate. Like, it's never going to change. So right now, in that same span, the Eagles have played five games on Thursday night on on the road on short rest. And that 5-0, to zero, I mean, that's – like, over time, I just feel like that adds up. Because like, in a couple of years, it can be 10-0. to zero. It's just – it's ridiculous. There's no good reason for that to happen. Like, there's nothing – like, the Cowboys can still play on Thanksgiving. Jeffrey Lurie is not trying to take that away. He's just saying – can't they play away some years just to kind of make it so that they have to also have to deal with this kind of disadvantage or one of the, what he feels like one of the bigger disadvantages in the league. And I think it was interesting, John, that, you know, we were kind of talking about last week, you know, why did the Eagles withdraw this proposal? And I think it's true that they didn't have a ton of support for it. And I think that it's still worth putting through, like it was still worth bringing up mm-hmm. in the first place, because at least now you're kind of creating this conversation and you're kind of giving people to you know, a chance to be like, wait, that actually isn't fair. And there is good reason behind this. And hopefully over time they can kind of find a way to rect- rectify that. Um, yeah. At the same time, I think Mike Florio actually had a good theory about this, believe it or not, where he said that he feels like part of the reason the Eagles put it out there and withdrew it is so they're kind of not like the bad guy you know what i mean like so like they withdrew it so ultimately if it gets passed it's not on them but they brought up the idea so it kind of wouldn't reflect so poorly on them as much as like the idea has now been put out there and now hopefully others will kind of helpfully um run with it and eventually it'll get passed and it won't just look like just the eagles who were trying to do it yeah. as much as like everyone jumping on it so i think that's kind of an interesting theory to put out there and Yeah, hopefully it does get fixed in the future because it's just, there's no good reason for it. I mean, even if it's a small advantage, like even if that's what you want to argue, and it's kind of like, and some people have said to me, it's kind of like petty or inconsequential, which I disagree with. But okay, let's just say you're right. It doesn't need to exist at all. Like, why does it exist? It doesn't matter if it's a small advantage. Like, it shouldn't, (laughs) there shouldn't be any, there's no good reason for any kind of advantage that isn't, you know, fair to exist like there's no good reason for it so hopefully the league can fix it um, Jerry Jones reacted to the thing and he was like uh, he thinks it's good for the league actually that the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving every year of course naturally he thinks his own team having an unfair advantage is good for him of course but um, I would hope yeah. the other NFL owners of all other 30 teams because by the way they only need what 24 I think they need two-thirds of the owners, so they only need like 24 of yeah the I think 32. that's right yeah so Okay, so let's say Detroit and Dallas don't even pass it. That's fine. Hopefully, they can get enough support elsewhere in the future to kind of get that fixed because that should be the goal. Like, we want competitive balance. Like, we want things to be a level playing field. It's not about, you know, giving the Eagles an advantage by changing this rule. It's just about, like, hey, everything should be kind of equal or the same for everyone.
0: Last thing here, BLG, and this is something that gets Eagles fans pretty fired up. Jeffrey Lurie said that they want to. Return to the kelly green yes. alternates in 2020 for their jerseys and listen i have a take oh i have a take on the kelly Let's green jerseys. we didn't
1: pound the table so it doesn't count
0: all right here hang on hang on hang on <laughs> did you hear that i did i have a take the kelly green jerseys are fine they really are they're fine but frankly the better jerseys are the ones from the Early '80s that Ron Jaworski and all those guys wore that had the darker green with the gray. Mm-hmm. I love the darker green gray combination with the with the old school helmets that had the. It, it wasn't quite a Kelly green; it was a little bit of a darker green. It wasn't midnight green, but it had the green the the gray um uh, the the gray eagles and uh, wings in the helmet. Yeah, I I think those. And frankly, you know what? Do you did you ever notice that in Super Bowl '52, the Eagles' road green uniform seemed a little less midnight green? and a little bit more regular green hmm. maybe it was the lighting in Min- in Minneapolis yeah. i want people to take a look at that next year uh, i mean uh, no, not next year i want people to take a look at that when they Don't hit when, it right now. when they can look, wait till next year and yeah, then look at it wait till next year in 2020 that's when you're allowed to look <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's I want people to just, it's just and I it must have been the lighting in the dome. But the the green looked different and I really liked it. I really mm. like that color green. I I'm not a big fan of midnight green, but I think people go way overboard on the Kelly green. There's a reason they got rid of it. And it just mm. I I I think it's fine. It's not bad. I don't think it's ugly, so it's I'm not throwing a fire take at anybody here, but you know, I I don't, I, and I'm a big uniform guy. I love yeah, uniforms. See? I love colors. I love the Phillies powder blue uniforms that they play with now. I think those are fantastic, but I'm just not. I'm not big on the Kelly green. BLG. It's not. It's not. It's not my end all
1: be all. I'm looking at the color you're talking about with jaws. And like Dick Vermeil and all of that. And uh, it's yeah. it's almost like a Jets uniform, really, honestly. It's kinda like it looks like their colors a little bit, or at least it's closer to a that.
0: little bit. It's
1: closer. A little bit. I had more
0: grey. I like the grey. It was a little old school. I, I love that.
1: Yeah. Um I like Kelly Green a lot, man. Like the Eagle stuff that I do own, <laughs> honestly, like it is like a Kelly Green hat. Kelly Green hats. I have a Kelly Green sweater. That is a combo circus survive sweater. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I I just like that color more. It just pops. Like It's more bright. It's fun. Like, Midnight Green to me is kind of just boring. Like, it's dull. Midnight Green to me is... I agree with that. I agree with that. It's very much a um, staple of the time it came out, which is like, what, early 2000s? Like, that kind of early 2000s era where it was like, yeah, this is the future. This is cool. This is modern. But then, like, it didn't age well. Just kind of like... Yeah. Kind of like a Lincoln Financial Field, a little bit, like built in the same time. Like it was cutting edge for like a very short amount of time, but I feel like the modernness of it didn't like age super well. It didn't last. It didn't have like a lasting modernness to it. And I I just, I'm not a big fan. I don't love it. Um, I think it's been upgraded, you know, since they switched to like those Nike jerseys, whatever it was a couple of seasons ago. Uh, it looks, I think, a little better than it used to, the current midnight green. But Mm -hmm. it's just not my favorite thing. And look, they're not going to change the main uniform. At least there's been no indication of that. So, you know, we don't even have to worry about that so much. But the the more realistic thing is the alternates. You know, I've seen some people, by the way, say like, oh, they say this every year. I mean, that's not my impression, or at least that wasn't my takeaway of what um, Lurie said. Like The fact that he put 2020 out there, to me, seems like that actually is some kind of hopeful deadline for them to actually have it. And they would wear... Kelly Green jerseys twice a year instead of the black, presumably, the all-black, which, like, I think I like that. Well, they got to
0: get rid of the all-black. The black sucks. I don't even hate it, but, like... I hate the black. I I don't hate
1: it, personally, but, like, I'm fine with never having it again, and I'd rather have Kelly Green alternates over that. I just think it would be fun, especially, like, a primetime game, like Monday Night Football, and they're wearing, like, bright green. I just think it would look cool under the lights at night. I just think it's a cool look. Um, It's more fun to me. Uh, I, I like Kelly Green a lot, so I know people... Don't like it or whatever. They don't feel strongly. I like it a lot.
0: I, I know it's if it's an, you know, I don't care as much about it. It's if it's an alternate, you know what I mean? Two times a year. it, it would be better than the black. Anything's better than the yeah. black. I hate the black uniforms because that again, that was kind of like a that was kind of like a, a mid 90s, late 90s thing when when Pat Croce came in and uh and turn the Sixers uniforms right. into into all black and you know that was like when black was the thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean and and you're right it was like it was the late 90s when they changed to midnight green i think it was actually 96 was the first year cuz remember it was ray Rhodes's first year first year with the eagles in 95 ricky waters first year they were still wearing the kelly green and then in 96 they switched over to the midnight green so that's that's about the time frame we're talking about here and you're right it it hasn't aged it hasn't aged all that well so I guess you're turning me a little bit on the Kelly Green. I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think fun. people go a little overboard with it. It is fun. I get you. I get you. I mean, every, every, every sports team in the city should wear the same colors like Pittsburgh does. That's, <laughs> like
1: Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like Pittsburgh. That's, what would that be? So what would yeah. that be if they all wore? And would that who? Would, <sighs>
0: I don't know. I guess I mean the Sixers and Phillies kind of have similar color schemes, but the yeah. flyers are completely unique, and the Eagles are completely unique. I take that back. I wouldn't want all four all four teams to be wearing the same colors. It's the orange and black is is very is very unique to the flyers. it is and and the you know the eagle green just you know when they pulled out those blue and yellow jerseys a, <laughs> a few years ago, like the throwbacks, those things were terrible, yeah and so I, I think we are just so used to Eagles and green. It's just a matter of, we got to find the right shade. BLG. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it all comes down to. Yep. Any final thoughts before we wrap up episode 43, my friend,
1: Uh, short thing, Antonio Brown. seemed pretty interested in playing with Carson Wentz. I like that. Uh, future hall. Oh, of yeah. Fame. The
0: video, there's a, yeah, wide
1: receiver there. Um, I think that said more about the, uh, Antonio Brown's interest, by the way, in the Eagles, or, or Drew Rosenhaus's, I should say, than the Eagles' interest in him, actually. Like, some people are taking that story to me, like, oh, the Eagles are super interested in him. And I mean, they did seem to have some kind yeah. of interest in him, but I think, I almost think Drew Rosenhaus was more interested in getting Antonio Brown to the Eagles than necessarily the Eagles were acquiring him. So, um, that was a little interesting thing, but ultimately, obviously, it's done now. He's, he's yeah. to the Raiders. And the <laughs> other thing, the Phillies, man, the Phillies are back. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, opening day Amen, bro. was so exciting. The McCutcheon leadoff home run, the Michael Franco hit the home run, and then just Reese, the Reese thing. Again, I already said it earlier, but I was just like, man, it's just so disrespectful. Like, how are you going to walk Bryce Harper just to, to get to Reese Hoskins and be like, oh, yeah, like we're going to get Reese out? Like, no, you're not. He's going to hit a grand slam on you. He's going to make <laughs> you look stupid. So, uh, love Reese. Love yeah. the Phillies. Glad they're back. It's so much fun. Um, it's just gonna be great like you know this is a football podcast but and and i know not everyone loves all four philly sports teams but if you do love the eagles and you do love the phillies or even if you don't love the phillies but like you're thinking about maybe getting into it just just do it just try it because i think baseball is a nice complement to football in the sense of like there's not a lot of As much, I mean, obviously the Eagles is traded for Jordan Howard. So there's some stuff going on and there's the draft. There's things going on in the offseason. But there's going to be dead times. Like yesterday, on Wednesday, there wasn't a lot going on. And there's going to be some dead periods. And when you have, and in the summer, like in July, when there's going to be nothing going on, there's going to be dead times. So when you're looking to fill some of that time, you can just turn the Phillies on and it'll be nice. And it'll help you get quicker to the football season like you'll be caught up in baseball you'll be <laughs> yeah. excited and then football comes back and then you're set so i'm glad baseball is back it's fun go fails. amen
0: buddy yeah it was it was pretty exciting and um I, we're gonna have a i'm gonna have a um a hit and season podcast uh talking about uh, opening day and uh, looking back at the uh at the phenomenal action that took place uh, at Citizens Bank park on Thursday so um after you're done listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed to the good fight podcast feed make sure you do that and uh, get the latest uh, episode of hit and season I'll break down everything that happened on opening day um, but in the meantime make sure that you are subscribing to the bleeding green nation podcast feed if you're not already and um, if you do subscribe but you haven't left a five star rating and a review yet please make sure you do that uh and um again tell a friend if they're eagles fans and they are not subscribed to the bleeding green nation podcast feed make sure to get them over here and get them subscribed friends That'll do it for episode number 43 of BGN Radio. Again, you can follow uh BLG on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on BGN Radio. Been a little too nice to y'all. Now I got to up price for y'all. Snake eyes on dice for y'all. Shoulders on ice for y'all. Frozen. a 6 all the hay. I won't get a ball today.
1: Got lost in the ball today. I'm flipping the